Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's, it's time, time for, for Boom. Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have Biomechanics on Our Minds. Boom. Boom. Okay, so my name is Megan Stewart, and I'm a biomechanist at the American Sports Medicine Institute in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm also a PhD student in health and human performance, and today I'm going to be hosting a Student Voices podcast, which is a series of the Biomechanics on Our Mind podcast. Who do I hear? So today we're going to be talking with three biomechanists that work in Major League Baseball. And I'd really just like to start off by asking each of you how you got to where you are, um, if there were any extracurricular activities that y'all did, or if you even thought that you would be in this position, or if you thought you'd have a totally different career path. Um, So I'll just let each of you answer that. Um, so, if Bryson, if you want to kind of just start and introduce yourself and then kind of give a background. Sure, yeah. Thanks, Megan. Um, so, like Megan said, I'm Bryson Nakamura, uh, Director of Integrative Sport Performance with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, yeah, in, in terms of how we, how I got here, um, I, it, it was a pretty windy road, to be honest, and I didn't necessarily realize it would end here. Um, so when I started doing some of my undergraduate research, um, it it was primarily predicated on biomechanics, but, but footwear and footwear design in specific, um, being up in the Northwest. And so looking at a lot of, um, you know, material properties aspect, um, balance, so on and so forth. Um, you know, I did play uh, briefly D3 baseball and so always had that kind of interest at heart. Um, was planning to kind of go down the rehab and physical therapy route um, and made a quick last minute decision of wanting to go to grad school for um, neuromechanics. Um, ended up at, at University of Oregon in the Barman Sports Science Clinic because that allowed me to really, my, my research work was focused more on um, uh, lower extremity uh, classification algorithms for powered prosthetics for amputees, um, but then also was able to keep more of the performance interest doing a lot of our um, physiology-based testing like VO2 and lactate testing, so on and so forth. So I think I think basically the whole gist of, of that approach was to stay pretty broad and the question of how could we further integrate a lot of this information together um, then fortunately had an opportunity to go and intern with the Tampa Bay Rays and kind of got my foot in the door in baseball and one thing led to another and you know now I'm with the Brewers and so overall the background was really just getting a diverse set of experiences. It wasn't necessarily baseball and upper extremity uh, in specific, um, but I, I, I definitely draw on that broad base from a lot of different areas. Um, so yeah, just keeping it fairly general. That, that sounds like a lot of 
students kind of path. They don't really know exactly what they want, so they take this winding road. So thank you for discussing that. Ben, would you like to kind of talk next and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks, Megan. Um, so yeah, my name is Ben Hansen. I currently work as a biomechanics engineer for the Chicago White Sox, uh, although I just joined this last winter. And, um, you know, before that, my, my road was primarily in industry, but I guess to start it all off, um, I was trained in my undergrad as a biomedical engineer at the Milwaukee School of Engineering and uh, played baseball there as well, Division three pitcher. And, uh, you know, obviously very curious about, you know, mechanics and how I can apply math and science to that. But at the time, uh, there really didn't seem to me, at least not publicly, that there was a biomechanics field. Um, until I found out, you know, that lo and behold, there was at ASMI with Dr. Glenn Fleissig and, um, and, you know, my, my path started in baseball biomechanics by reaching out to him. Uh, he introduced me to Dr. Jason Long, who's at the medical college of Wisconsin, who, uh, also helped with the Milwaukee Brewers motion capture. And, uh, oddly enough, uh, Bryce, and I probably come from this similar, similar threads there, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was my first foray into it was volunteering for the lab. And uh, got a chance to do some full-time work there uh, while I was in my graduate studies. And so, again, my, uh, in order to stay on, I had to apply to grad school. And I ended up at Marquette University studying similar uh, biomedical engineering. And it was really focused on, like, biomedical electronics. So, like, ECG, uh, respiration rate, circuits, designing, you know, microchips. Um, and I wasn't necessarily aware of where my path would go, but, you know, uh, one point I was introduced to uh, some folks who were starting this company called Modus and became their first, ended up becoming their first employee and kind of left the academic world behind for a bit. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Modus, we, you know, we designed uh, electronics, uh, I mean, wearable sensors or IMUs, mostly for baseball pitching analysis and workload monitoring. So uh, for the last eight years, you know, I'd really been focused on that uh, as well as biomechanics, you know, lab testing. So you know, applying those same principles I was, you know, trained in academics from, uh, with dynamics, you know, 3D math, uh, you know, applying that to the raw marker data. Um, you know, we still did services for teams actually. So we had a motion capture lab that you see in, in many you know, universities and would, you know, uh, you know, farm out some analyses to teams in Florida, Arizona. And, um, and anyways, after, after that kind of, uh, you know, phase of my life came to an end, you know, we'd gone through several different, uh, you know, acquisitions at the end. Um, I had been working with the White Sox and decided to, uh, you know, push that and ended up getting a full-time job here. So that's, uh, that's been my path and uh, definitely uh, been a fun ride, but a lot, lot more to go, go after. That's really interesting that you talk about how you didn't really um, know that there was a biomechanics area or specialty, because I think that's a very common um, misconception with students. They don't really know where to go, which we'll kind of touch on in um, a little bit. So thank you for talking about that. Uh, Ethan, do you want to discuss who you are and how you got to where you are? Absolutely. Um, thank you for the introduction, Megan. So my name is Ethan Stewart, and I am the player performance facilitator for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, like Ben, I just started here early this year, so started in February. And uh, had a, had a pretty interesting past. So I started my undergrad at the University of Kentucky, um, where I played a sort of baseball, not quite as competitive as D3. I played in the club team there, so a little bit different than what these guys played D3. Um, and I was pre-physical therapy, because I thought physical therapy was the route I wanted to go. That's what I wanted to be. 
And it just turns out I took a biomechanics course my senior year, fell in love and decided that I wanted to pursue a master's degree in biomechanics. So I stayed on at the University of Kentucky, um, studying under Dr. Robert Shapiro, where I was able to further my education in both biomechanics and also in baseball, where I focused on baseball hitting. Um, from there, I decided that I needed to continue my education, so I decided to go for a PhD. Um, and I'm a PhD candidate from Mississippi State University right now in neuromechanics and biomechanics. So still finishing that up. But during my time at Mississippi State, I actually ended up going and working for the Tampa Bay Rays, just like Bryson did. So I spent two years, two summers with the Tampa Bay Rays, where I was able to continue working in sports science. Um, and that just led me to talking to all the teams where I kept applying for jobs. And eventually the Orioles hired me to come on as a biomechanist, focusing more in sports science and biomechanics as their player performance facilitator. Very interesting. So none of y'all really had a direct path. So what about students that do know what they want to do that are unlike us who kind of had to go a winding way about it? What would you suggest for students who know they want to work in baseball, but they don't exactly know how to get into baseball? Do any of y'all have any suggestions on, you know, do you need a graduate degree? Do you need to have internships? Do you need to have certain connections? Or what specifically do you look for in somebody that you may hire? And this one's open for discussion. So whoever would like to, to talk. Yeah, Megan, I'll, I'll jump in and start maybe. So I kind of view the question similarly to, you know, if you were looking at a resume or starting the interview process, you know, what would we necessarily be looking for? And I think one of the things that I certainly value are kind of a, that, that kind of goes along with what we have all stated here is a diverse background. So I think it, it's very appropriate and applicable to make sure if, if it's a biomechanics position, you know, to be very strong in your biomechanics and that technical understanding. But it's also a value to have even experience of working in different areas, whether it's maybe data science, whether it's physiology, is it more motor control, you know, something that starts to give you, did you do a lot of volunteer work in a physical therapy clinic? Um, those kind of experiences kind of lead into my second point here on just being able to be insightful and know how to ask the right questions. And, and I think that's certainly a skill that, you know, these are things that you can achieve outside of having a certain level of a degree. Me personally, I don't, I don't take the degree and stop in, in the sense that you have to have a certain level. Um, it certainly um, gives you a sense or barometer of what you've been through from an educational standpoint, but I want to see the entire um, body of work that's kind of outlined here. And I think that's diverse experience that then allows you to ask questions that have a broad perspective to them. And I think those are things that anyone can come into an interview or a job position with. Yeah, thank you very much, Bryson. That's some good points, especially since the three of you 
came from very diverse backgrounds and, you know, there's industry experience, there's internship experience. So I really do think that those are some good points. Ben, do you have anything to add? Yeah. Uh, you know, on, on the first and foremost on the, on the background aspect, you know, I'll kind of lend some things we've I've seen over the years, mostly through my modus experience, but, you know, I've seen some of the best developers and, you know, dynamics minds come from a background with just a bachelor's or, you know, just being in their undergraduate and I even finished their bachelor's. Uh, well, that said, probably the best one we had Ryan Holstead, you know, he had a master's degree and like, that was brilliant. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't look at degrees as a, you know, table stakes to getting a job. Um, but that said, I'm also not very encouraged at, you know, getting jobs in MLB, uh, especially right now with COVID going on, team budgets are low. I mean, hiring is on the freeze. Teams are trying to just hold on to what they have. Um, you know, I think like right, even right now, if I was to be able to hire somebody, like I would probably go to people I know that, you know, could help on a contract basis or you know, like Brittany Dowling, we have, she helps out with uh, motion capture from time to time, or we have other developers that we've, that just like networking wise, we're familiar with. And, you know, that's, I think where most, most people will go to first. So that's not very encouraging for a new student to come in to a situation. I don't think teams want to take risks on a fresh mind. I think some of your best bets are going to you know, a place like Driveline or other private institutes where you can do entry-level work, write about it, be public about it. A lot of people get to know you, your voice through the internet. And that's that's kind of the, at least what I feel like, is one of the most common routes to Major League Baseball team jobs now uh, in terms of biomechanics is, you know, that, that public you know, writing and blogging and exhaustive research early on. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to shed that little, you know, insight or some little pattern I've tended to see a little bit. No, I think that's great. Thank you, Ben. I think sometimes students are in college and they're really passionate about a topic and they set a goal for themselves that, you know, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to work for a such and such team and it might not be realistic. So I really appreciate you kind of given that insight that there are some other avenues that you may want to take before um, trying to get into Major League Baseball. That way you're not just disappointed by um, some sort of rejection if you may not have the experience that they're looking for. So if we're going off of that question, then um, everybody that's a student or in life has some type of failure either in school or research or work. And do any of y'all want to just mention or talk about one of your failures through academics or you know in your career that you learned a very valuable lesson on that helped you get to where you are today to kind of um, give some perspective on students that might be having a hard time. Yeah, I can, I can go ahead and start on that. Um, so I've been very open with this throughout my entire, so I, I taught for five years in the college setting as a grad assistant. And when I got to undergrad, I was not a very good student. I didn't have very good study habits. Um, I just, I, I didn't have the motivation that it takes to actually complete a degree. And it wasn't until my junior year that I really turned that around. And uh, I graduated with not a very good GPA in terms of getting into grad school, but I met with the right people. I talked to them. I showed them my passion, what we talked about through here. And I was able to get in on a conditional basis for my master's degree and just start to excel in biomechanics. Um, so it's, it's not always about how you start, it's about how you finish. So even if you're starting rough, being able to pick it up and, and get through it is, is a big piece. And sometimes that's what these schools and places are looking for, is someone who can persevere and, and make that change and show that adjustment, that drive. Um, and real quick, just touching on the last question, 
one thing that's really big that helps you get into this field is getting those internships, being able to meet these teams. So a lot of teams now are offering internships in their different categories. So if you could find an internship, apply for all those internships, get your foot in the door. That's a really good way to, to meet people in Major League Baseball and, and be able to find a job at later times. Boom would like to thank Sanford Health for their support in the making of the Student Voices series. Sanford Health is one of the nation's largest health systems offering integrated care, genomic medicine, senior care and services, research, and affordable insurance. Sanford Health also offers students both clinical and non-clinical internship experiences throughout the year, as well as graduate student training through a partnership with the University of South Dakota Department of Biomedical Engineering. These student opportunities include biomechanics internships through the Sanford Sports Science Institute and Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and Fargo, North Dakota, and provide mentorship, professional development, and growth opportunities, including gaining real-world experience and building useful skills to prepare you for the future. And if you want to learn more about student opportunities at Sanford Health, you can visit sanfordhealth.jobs. That's S-A-N-F-O-R-D health.jobs. Thank you for that, Ethan. That was, that was good. I think a lot of students struggle with uh, grades and academics, especially coming into college as a freshman. Um, maybe they have to form new study habits that they're not used to. So I think it's really refreshing to hear um, that not everybody's perfect and you can still get to where you want to be. Um, ben, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, cutting from a different vein, not necessarily academic failure, but failure in general. And I think this is something I've kind of learned to embrace. Um, I don't think I would be where I'm at doing what I do uh, without lots of failures. And, you know, you can look at, what the, at Google, for instance, I mean, they embrace failure. They, they even give bonuses to employees that start a project and fail it because you learn so much from that. Um, you know, if you release a product or release a report and some, something of it fails, well, you just learned that you just didn't fail. You learned what could possibly work or you eliminated things that, you know, you probably shouldn't focus on more. And um, yeah. So when I hear the word failure, I, I almost look at it as a necessity nowadays, uh, no matter what you're going to do in a project um, in a research paper, it's, it's a good thing to fail um, and, and to be humble about it and, and embrace it. That's a, that's a great point, Ben. Um, a lot of times I feel like people look at failure as an end-all be-all. They don't get a good grade on a test or they don't do well in a research project or they have a hypothesis that um, is not supported by the data and they think that, you know, they didn't learn anything. Well, um, as you mentioned and, and Ethan kind of talked about that through failure, you you learn success. You learn how to be better as an individual, as a researcher, as a uh, student as just a person in general. And I think that's very um, beneficial. So thank you. Bryson, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think I think definitely touching on both of those points and, and leaning more towards Ben's, you know, I think we, we can talk about the science and those programs, those approaches, but, you know, really, really calling it out as like leadership failure, right? In, in the sense of we're going to make decisions, we're going to have to um, place bets on what's meaningful, what's not, um, setting up systems, um, leading. And, you know, we all, we, we 
make mistakes in, in those areas, right? And and it is that aspect of learning, rebounding. Um, you know, failure is only there if you stop, right? As long as you keep working towards and you have that drive and motivation to find that outlet, like Ben saying, peeling back those layers, finding out what doesn't work and kind of getting to that core result, you're, you're going to find success, you know, at some point. Um, so I think, I think that's really key. And, and I can attest, um, you know, and double down on both of those entities of, you know, um, academic failures on my end as, as well as leadership and, and really how you can sustain growth out of that and, and spending the time to acknowledge it, recognize it and um, really growing from that. I think that's great. I think as everybody kind of said, failures make you a better person. And, and that's sometimes I think lost on, on students um, so thank you for, for talking about that. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, um, working at MLB, a lot of people think is um, amazing and they aspire to do it. So what are some common myths about being a biomechanist or a sports scientist in Major League Baseball that you guys would like to kind of talk about and debunk the myth, if you will? This one's open for discussion. Yeah, I can I can jump in first. Um, I think one of the things that you know we certainly as biomechanists, you know, we love the data. We love to see it. We love um, what it can tell you. The insights that you can glean from it. Um, quite frankly, not not everyone is as interested as we are, right? And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I think that also highlights the the need for us to be educators. We need to be great listeners and truly hear, like if it's players, if it's front office, if it's whomever it is that's maybe looking to you, might be skeptical on this. Um, I, I think that expands to the other side of how can we be a great listener truly understand the concerns and anxieties of that person and then educate, right, to, to the appropriate um, level of knowledge that's necessary in, in that instance. And so if you come into this with the idea that this data is meaningful because I love it and, and it absolutely is going to change the world, well, you may be a little bit little disappointed. Now, is that changing? Certainly. And, and that's evident by, you know, what Modus has done and Driveline and all these different entities and how, how we're changing a little bit of the culture of how data are viewed. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we have a responsibility to uphold standards as well as be role models and educators for what the data are. You made me uh, laugh a little bit, Bryson, when you said that not everybody loves data as much as we do, because we uh, we all certainly do love our data. Uh, ben, do you have a comment on yeah, that? Yeah, I'm just laughing as, as well here. I'm, 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 I was on mute, but no, I mean, it's funny. I walk around every day, come in, and you next to my family, the most important thing in my life is biomechanics, and my God, it's going to be it's going to be helping people, right? And the reality is, every person in this facility. Nothing was more important you know, besides their families than the job they're doing. And that's, that could be the coaches. It could be the, uh, you know, the field staff, the groundskeepers, the, the cooks. I mean, every, every person 
is doing their best. And uh, it's it's funny just to to sit back and and recognize that and definitely do your best. But it's, it's a spoke in a wheel, a much bigger wheel, and that that might be a myth that you know from coming up definitely could have some delusions of grandeur of how important the data you have is, but it's, it's a piece, it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, but that said, like, like Ryzen mentioned, I, I do, I do think it's becoming more, more effective and a more meaningful piece. And you're seeing teams get some competitive edges by, by having this data, um, whether that's helping players perform better, or, you know, reduce injury risks, uh, all those same kind of things. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not, um, as important as you think. That's a great point that you mentioned that everybody, uh, you know, thinks that they're doing the most important job. And, and in some part they are because without the grounds crew and without the coaches and without the biomechanists and without the athletes, you know, there wouldn't be baseball. So that's, you know, everybody has a place in the organization and, and you love what you do, which is great because that's why you're doing it. And, and I think that's a great point, Ben. Thank you. Ethan, do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, I love everything that they've said so far. And just building off that, I think I think a, a big piece is is just the education part that Bryson talks about, being able to to work with everyone and show them what the data is because we do love our data and we're we're able to collect a lot of it. But using what is efficient, getting it to the coaches, getting it to the players, getting it to the front office, getting it to our athletic trainers, our strength staff, and showing them how it can be used is a huge part of, of what we're doing. So would y'all say that instead of talking about, you know, torque or elbow varus torque or um, forces, how, how would you go about explaining something of that sort to coaches or, or players or um, somebody in the organization? Or in, in other words, how would you make the, the biomechanics um, knowledge more acceptable uh, to people who may not have a degree in, in biomechanics? I think part of that goes to us being that almost translative filter. So first, like, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, listen, you know, maybe ask a couple questions on the sense of, hey, what, what, what's what's the goal you have with this player or to the player directly? What is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? And you have to take those questions internally and, kind of blend and merge all the data that you have um, to tell a valid story, but to tell the right story of where, where from your, you know, spoken the will, as Ben said, the data suggests you're, that you're going. And, and to be honest with that, because that's, that's part of, you know, building confidence in the information that you're providing. So I think, you know, taking in some of those insights and then basically extracting on your own the key features that are necessary. I, I think that's what you have to do as, as the expert in the area. I think that's a, a great point that just because you may love the data doesn't mean what you might uh, want to look at is necessarily what the team wants to look at. So really focusing um, your attention and drive towards what the end goal is. That was a good point. Thank you, Bryson. Ben, do you have um, something to say? Yeah, about Megan. That? Yeah. More directly, you're, you're almost your, uh, your scenario there. It's made me think of something that we did. That I think is interesting. Now this is regards to modus data. So not necessarily like, you know, shoulder, like shoulder and up, like what is elbow forces? So we measure elbow torque at every pitch, right? 
Now, there's a measure you could give on someone is total Newton meters over the year, right? So you have 11,232 Newton meters. That's, that's what you've sustained this year. But try telling that to someone who doesn't even know what a Newton meter is and <laughs> you're going to get laughed out of the room. But translating that into something like effective innings pitched over a year, that's a number everyone's really familiar with. How many innings did so-and-so throw last year? Oh, 150. Well, effectively, if you include all of his throws, it was really about 210 if you include his warm-ups and bullpen. And so like, I find myself going through a lot of you know, scenarios like that, where you find a measure that may be obscure to, you know, in terms of biomechanics, but translate it back into something that's still real, but just in a language or slightly transformed into a way that's you know, applicable. And I think that's, that's something we should all look for um, in any kind of industry, but that was a specific one that you brought up. Yeah, I think that that's a great point, is that um, to put it in terms that, people would know everyday use that if you said a certain term, a player would know exactly what you're talking about and they would be able to relate to it. And I think that's really essential with trying to bridge this scientific and um, implementation gap that we have sometimes in biomechanics is that um, sometimes the scientists don't always um, know how to discuss it in terms that, others would relate to. And I think uh, Ben and Bryson, y'all hit that right on the head um, with the ways that you guys are going about it. Ethan, do you have anything that, that you guys are doing specifically with trying to bridge the gap or, um, you know, making the terminology known? Yeah, generally what I do is I have a conversation with whoever I'm using it for. So I, I get a feel for what they know and how they speak. So a lot of times it's much easier if you can talk to the coach, you talk to the player and you hear what they're saying, then you can show them what the data is and they can relate back to what they are trying to do. So Bryson talked a little bit on this. But what I do a lot of times is when I'm introducing a new technology, I talk to the coach about what they look for. And then I show them where that, where that number would be so they have objective numbers from the technology. So I almost let them teach themselves without them realizing it. So they're telling me what, what they're looking for and then I just show them where it's at. And they can make the connection. And when we're having a conversation, we're talking in their terms instead of the super intricate biomechanical terms. So just being able to communicate is, is a huge piece and just letting them lead that conversation that leads you into what you're trying to say. I think yeah, that, I make, go ahead, again, the, the, if you want to talk about failures in, in certainly my experiences, this is one that I've definitely dropped the ball on, you know, many times in terms of I thought I was communicating what I did and at the end just had blank stares so you know if we want to talk about failures and experience and learning what not to do the next time this is certainly an area for that that's a that's a great great thing Bryson because I think we've all been there we've all been so excited and so passionate about our research or our data or presenting it somewhere or talking to a class or students and we're so excited. We give all this information and they just look at us like, what, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're saying. And, and so then we kind of get less excited and, and what we need to do is, is bridge that gap and speak in terms that relate to the audience, whoever that is, students or scientists or, or baseball players. So I'd just like to finish with this last kind of question and commentary from each of y'all. So what is one thing that you wish you would have known going into your career or um, one resource or 
person or connection that you had that really helped you when you were first starting to work in baseball or, or get involved in baseball? Like that one monumental experience or person. And um, Ben, would you like to, to start on this one? Yeah, so you mean like who I wish I would have had or who, who was that person? or Yeah, like either who was that person for you or um, that one experience, like one thing you wish you would have known, yeah. like looking back on. Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is probably more of who who did help. And that was uh, Dr. Jason Long. And, you know, just coming into this industry, your mind is just like a, a sponge. And he was a, he was a guy that would just help me, you know, talk about the dynamics of the arm and you know, understanding you don't need to know what the upper body, the torso is doing to understand the torque on an elbow. Like to me, that was just the most bizarre concept, uh, open chain kinetics. And, you know, having someone that from the technical standpoint that could, you know, do the diligence and, and sit there and have patience and you know, be, be a mentor, you know, that, that really was what got me into this and gave me the opportunities. Um, so yeah, cheers to Jason Long, if he's listening. <laughs> well, thank you. That, I like that having somebody to talk it through with and listen to you. I think that's great. Thank you very much, Ben. Uh, Ethan, do you have, you know, one person that really helped you or something you wish you would have known looking back? Yeah, I can I'll actually answer both questions. So the first is like what I wish I knew going back is I, I wish I would have like been able to learn more about biomechanics and undergrad. So I was, I was very fortunate in my master's degree to learn a lot, but like having that base going in would have been would have been really helpful. So learning more about biomechanics earlier in my undergraduate career would have been would have been huge for me. Um, I actually have two people that are that really helped me get to where I am. So the first is Dr. Robert Shapiro. Um, he was my mentor at the University of Kentucky. Um, led me in all of my biomechanics of baseball and was just able to talk to me about his experiences when he worked for the White Sox back in the day, and just led me through a research project where we could actually see some meaningful data now how it's applicated is a, is a different story but being able to work with him was very big for me and the second one was actually through my internship with the rays so working under dr joe myers with the rays just opened up so many doors in baseball for me because having that experience of, of being in sports science in major league baseball was just a, a huge stepping stone for me to talk with other teams and and get my name out there and, and apply for these jobs so those two people were, were really really impactful for my career. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, looking back, you always have things you wish could have happened. And um, I would agree with that. I wish I would have had more biomechanics experience in undergrad, um, partly because I just really loved the topic. And I think I would have done really well in those classes, um, which I'm sure all three of y'all would have too. Um, Bryson, do you have, you know, one person that really helped you or one thing you wish you would have known looking back? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think as we all, you know, take advances in our careers, in our lives, you know, we always look to people who, you know, can really be that foundation. And, you know, there, there are a couple people that come to mind. So going to kind of go around your question a little bit, but, you know, in, in different facets. And, and I think, you know, certainly, um, Roger Kaplinger, who's our senior director of medical here, gave me tremendous insight on how baseball just works and a medical department and running of that. You know, he was an athletic trainer for the Milwaukee Brewers for 25 years, 10 of which as the head athletic trainer here, um, you know, tremendously insightful, 
insightful in bringing me in and, and kind of allowing me to learn through that process. Um, you know, Dr. Mike Hahn, my advisor at, at the University of Oregon, um, you know, giving me more of the, you know, um, tough love kind of approach, allowing me to do my thing, also putting the guardrails when necessary. Um, and, and, you know, going, going to other realms, um, physical therapist back home in Hawaii, Patariki, um, and, and teaching me of, you know, um, being measured, tracking progress, um, you know, gates for return to play, like different, different avenues. And so, you know, you have those people that you can kind of go back to, um, confide in a little bit, but, you know, also, and, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm probably speaking for everyone here, you know, your family. Um, you know, Ben touched on it uh, earlier, but family being that support mechanism and just um, being there to listen, give you some tough love, being supportive, um, you know, as we venture into these new kind of areas, especially all of us not knowing that, hey, biomechanics and baseball is here, um, you know, kind of looking at that space and being like, why, why me? What are we doing? You know, having that foundation and bedrock i think is so meaningful um you know family and friends um in that same vein you know contributing just as much to all of our respective successes here um so i just want to add in that kind of little point as well yeah thank you very much bryson i think that's a, yeah. a gr go ahead i was gonna say i i completely agree with bryson on that family issue so having a good support system to help guide you through what you're doing and um, I'm, I'm very lucky with my family and, and my wife to be able to bounce ideas off whenever, whenever necessary. So, um, having that support system, especially being able to bounce ideas and just when things, when things don't go necessarily as planned, you have someone there that you can talk to about it. Yeah, I think, I think y'all made some great points with that because without, um, family support or spouse support, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to, um, you know, move forward from a situation. So I think that's great. And, um, I really appreciate y'all taking the time out of your schedule, which I know is very busy right now with COVID and the baseball season starting. Uh, so I appreciate you um, talking with me. And I'd like to encourage any other students that are listening to this to host a student voice podcast with individuals within their field to get a better understanding of, you know, where they may like to be in. Um, you know, thank you, Ben and Bryson and Ethan for sharing some insight onto how you got to where you are and, you know, what it's like being a biomechanist in major league baseball. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for hosting this, Megan. Uh, absolutely. Yes, thank thanks, you. Megan. Well, thank you, Megan, for, for allowing us to be a part. Thanks for listening to student voices, a series by biomechanics on our minds by students and for students. If you have an idea for an episode of student voices, or if you want to host your own episode, please reach out to us at biomechanicsonourminds at gmail.com or tweet at us at biomechanicsoom. We'd love to hear from you. Let's keep these conversations going. 